morning, Coastal Church. Great to see you, and uh, what a joy to worship with you. Do me a favor, get your Bible out. I'm going to have you put your hand in two places, all right? So if you have your Bible, you can turn to the very end and turn to Revelation. I'm going to start in Revelation chapter 19, and, uh, and then I'm going to flip back to Matthew 28. So Revelation 19, we're going to pick up there in verse 6, and then we'll flip back to Matthew 28. Uh, get your um, bulletin out, okay? We're just a couple weeks away from sermon-based small groups where we're all going to participate, all right? Uh, I'm, I'm hoping for 100% participation this year, all right? Yes, me and Marty are believing for that, okay? So uh, so the way you prepare for your small group is you take notes, okay? So and that's so get in the habit of doing that. And then I also want you to get, you should have gotten one of these on the way in, just a multiply packet. I want to spend a little time on that this morning as kind of a teaching tool. And, uh, and then if you don't have a Bible, okay, there, hopefully there's one in a chair in front of you, and grab that, turn to Revelation. 19. And uh, if you don't own a Bible, take that with you. And uh, we, we would love for you to have a copy of God's Word. I, uh, so how many of you all grew up on Christmas Eve? We do this where Pastor Andrew calls the kids up and we do kind of a kid's sermon on Christmas Eve. How many of y'all grew up in a church uh, where you did that every week? The church did that every week. I grew up in a church similar to that. And uh, so there was a church that was doing that. And uh, the pastor brings the kids up and uh, he it wants to the lesson he wants to teach. He wants to teach the kids that the church is the people uh, and not the building, right? And so he has them turn around. He has them stand up and turn around and face the congregation. And he says, "I want you to tell me what you see." And of course, he was hoping for the word "people." And instead, what he got is some well-meaning kid who looks out and he goes, "Well, they're bored." Right, and uh, that is common in church life, right? And and that that ranks right up there with the reasons people don't go to church, right? If you were to ask people in the community, why don't you go to church, right? Well, I don't go to church because the church is full of hypocrites. I don't go to church because the church is only after your your money, right? I don't go to church because the church is boring, right? It's boring. And listen, I, I would expect that from, from people who don't know Jesus Christ, but I would challenge us if we're Christians, those ought not to be our responses to understanding the church, right? We need to have a high view of the church. And I would suggest to you that the world often thinks that the church is boring because we come in and act half bored in corporate worship, right? Instead of coming in with a heart of man, and, and I don't think this is you guys, and I love worshiping corporately with you, but even I can do it sometimes. I come in and like the church has to give me something as opposed to I'm here to, to give back. I want to participate. I want to be a part of what the Lord is doing uh, through the local church, okay? So a couple assumptions before I jump in this morning. First of all, you, uh, I hope you understand that to be a part of a church you first have to be a Christian, okay? You have to have repented of your sins and believe in the gospel message of Jesus Christ, okay? And the Bible says that Christians are now, uh, the word church in the New Testament actually means to be called out. You're set apart. You're, you're called out from the world and you're set apart for something different. You're set apart to bring glory to God and, and glory to God in some very specific ways of, of what that looks like. And so as a Christian now, you're a part of the church, and that means that you're partnering with other Christians 
pulling your time, talent, and treasure together to, to exalt together the gospel message of Jesus Christ until he returns, all right? And so I'm working with assumptions. You understand, hey, uh, the church is actually the believer. Secondly, my second assumption is that you understand that to be a part of church universal, you have to actually commit yourself to church local. It moves us from a nebulous commitment to church universal to actually committing ourselves to other people. Yes? Have you ever met people like, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. I'm, I'm just a part of, of church universal. I don't even know what that means. In fact, the scriptures remind us as Christians that we're to forgive one another as we have been forgiven by God in Christ. What does that command assume? What does that command assume? You're going to get your feelings hurt sometimes, right? And you can't learn to forgive others as you've been forgiven in Christ unless if you're a part of church universal. You have to be actually a part of church local to work together through things like forgiveness and to pull your time, talent, and treasure together. And so here's what I want to do, Number point number one this morning. I want to raise your view of the church. If you're here this morning, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to have a high view of the church. And the reason I want you to have a high view of the church is because, letter A, God has a high view of his church. Yes? God calls the church the bride of Christ. And that's, that's pretty significant. Like, I, I would rather you make fun of me than make fun of my wife. That, you start picking on my wife, and you and I, I don't like you very much, okay? Yet Christians take incredible liberty in picking on the bride of Christ. We, we should, and, and by the way, our, our, you know, point number two, the, church, the accusation number two against the church, the church is full of hypocrites. Where does that come from? Is the church full of people that still sin? Yeah, why? Well, because justification is when we become a Christian. We get declared righteous. The righteousness of Christ is gifted to us by grace through faith, and therefore, in God's sight, we're now perfect. But we're in process. And what's this process called? It's called sanctification. It means we still we hate sin, but we still do it, and we stumble, we trip, and we fall, right? And so we need the gospel applied to our lives every day. We need to offer forgiveness to one another, right? And so there's this process of growing until the day that our faith becomes sight, and that's called glorification, and praise be to God, that's the day sin is fully and finally eradicated from our souls and our life. Amen? And that makes us long for that. But we have to have a high view of the church because God has a high view of the church. In Revelation chapter 19, the author, John, paints the picture of this meeting, this meeting of Jesus and the church as a, as a wedding party. This is what he said, verse, Revelation 9, 6. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, which, by the way, okay, this goes all the way back to the promise of Abraham. Abraham, I want you to look up to the stars of the heavens. That's how many kids you're going to have right? Look at the sands of the seashore, Abraham. That's how many kids you're going to have. Of course, we learn as we run this through the New Testament, this is spiritual kids, right? 
kids that had no God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so now we get this picture of the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham. And it's a lot of people, a great multitude. You ever been in a stadium where a great multitude is cheering for something as stupid as a touchdown? Stupid in comparison to this, right? I've been a part of that stupidity, okay? And it's just deafening. You ever been like that? Like, whoa, like this is going to be way bigger than that. There's a great multitude. Which, by the way, I always, I've heard this through the years at Coastal. I don't like going to Coastal anymore. It's gotten too big. There's too many people. You ain't going to like heaven very much, okay? I'm just telling you, okay? There are a lot of people there. Like the roar of many waters. That's how many people there. Have you ever been by a waterfall that's deafening? That's what this multitude's going to look like. Like the sound of the mighty peals of thunder, and they're crying out. And what are they crying out? You just sang it, church. What are they crying out? Hallelujah. hallelujah. And why are they crying out hallelujah? Because the Lord our God, the Almighty, he is in charge. He reigns. Listen, you ready? And this is why I preach this series. Like, I, I you know, some of you, at the end of 2024, are going to be so worked up about who's president. Oh, no. Oh, no. My, I'm not even convinced we're going to know who's president by the end of 2024. Are you? Like, I'm still holding out. You might not even have one by then. It's going to be, oh, no. Oh, no. I got news for you. I don't care who's president. The Lord God Almighty is firmly in charge. Okay, now I've, you know, we've kind of trained the amen thing, which means I agree. But let's, let's do it biblically this time because it's in the Bible, ready? It's in my notes here. It's in your Bible. Let's, let's see. Yeah, there it is. Let us give. Wait, no, go back. Oh, there it is. The top of the top of the verse. Okay, let's say what the Bible says. So here we go. I don't care who's president by the end of 2024 because the Lord God Almighty is fully in charge. There you go. You've now joined with the multitudes in heaven. Isn't that cool? For the Lord all God Almighty reigns, verse 7. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. How many of you brides took less than 15 minutes to get ready for your wedding day? No, like it was a time thing, right? A lot went into that. Well, guess what? A lot gets, goes into making ourselves ready for the marriage feast, because here it is. How do we make ourselves ready? Verse 8. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. And what are the fine linens? For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And let me pause here for a minute. If you're a writer in your Bible, here's how I'm going to finish my sermon today. I'm going to finish my sermon today. I'm already giving you the conclusion. Just going out loud, saying out loud about how some of the people in this church wow me. I'm wowed by you guys and the things that you do in regards to your time, talent, and treasure, how you love the bride of Christ and the things that happen. I just look back. Sometimes I step back and go, man, just wow. The wow is the fine linen, is the righteous deeds of the saints. As you serve the Lord in his local church, and I go, man, wow. So right, wow, right? This is how we're going to be wowed. Verse 9. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. By the way, as John is, the Apostle John is kind of getting this tour of heaven and things yet to come. And he writes, he says, by the way, write these down because these are going to happen. 
these are the true words of God. These are yes and amen. Now listen, a lot of us, when we look at churches, man, we think building or organization, right? And, and by the way, I, I want to be organized for the cause of the gospel. I can't think of a better thing for us to get better organized around. Amen? But ultimately, the church is not an organization or not a building, right? How many of y'all grew up with this? Here's the church. Here's the, open the door. That's bad, 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 bad. This is the church. And they got together and they built the steeple. And we're still wondering why, okay? But, you know, anyway, it's kind of funny. All right, so, <clears throat> tough crowd. And so we, yes, we organize, but it's the people that are the church. And the Bible has given us a very specific purpose of what we're organizing to do. That the people, we come together and we use our time down treasure. And it's found in verse chapter 22. So go over to chapter 22 of Revelation. So flip over just a couple pages and look at verse 17. As the apostle John is wrapping up the book of Revelation, as the canon of scripture is being closed, it's like God is giving us one more reminder. And by the way, this is this letter of Revelation is being written to seven churches that are suffering and dying and being thrown in prison for the gospel. And so the author's saying, I want to remind you what you're doing. Verse 20, 17 of Revelation 22, the spirit and the bride say, what, church? This is, this is evangelism. This is the message of the gospel going to the world. This is an invitation to one day when your faith becomes sight that you're going to be a part of the wedding feast of God. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who desires to take the water of life to come and rejoice with, because you can have it without price. It's this free, living water. John is reminding us that this bride of Christ, it's the church, the church, let her be, and the spirit are left here to invite people to drink deeply from the well that is Jesus Christ. The church and the spirit, invite. This is the purpose statement as the canon is being summed up. Hey, I've left you there, church, that you, by the power of the spirit, can be a light to people that are whose souls are dying of thirst. They're not going to find it in the things of this world. Not going to find it by indulging their flesh. They're not going to find it by having sex. They're not going to find it in drugs. They're not going to find it getting high. They're not going to find it getting drunk. They're not going to find it making tons of money. They're not going to find it in prestige. The only way their souls are going to be satisfied is they find it in Christ. And I've left you there to exalt that message. John 4, Jesus said this in the woman at the well, right? Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Like all the stuff of life, you think it's going to fill you? You're going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty. The water that I, get, that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so Revelation 22 reminds us that the Spirit, the work of God, and the bride are left here to invite people to drink deeply from Christ. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 6, exalting and reminding us of the work of the Spirit alone that saves people alone. He says, no one can come to the Father unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. 
Jesus is saying, nobody's going to come and believe in God unless God's doing the work. And then in Luke chapter 14, in telling a parable about the wedding feast of the Lamb, he says, and the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my father's house may be filled. For I tell you, none of these men who were invited shall taste of my banquet. In other words, Jesus is saying, church, guys, it's up to you to go out there and compel people to, go, to come in. So which is it, the work of the Spirit or your hard work? Which is it? Yes. God doesn't need us, but we get the part of it. It's not 50-50. It's just how God is doing his work here on the planet. It's up to us through the local church. We are left here to exalt the gospel of Jesus Christ that people might find their thirst quenched in the only place it's going to be quenched, and that's in Jesus alone. And some of us view the church as somehow about us. They didn't sing any songs I liked this morning. That opening illustration he gave today, I've heard that one before. The microphones aren't working at this church, like whatever, right? No, the church is here to give offer the gospel and to free us from sin and to know the joy of drinking deeply from Christ. And when the storms come, the church is here for, for you to encourage you in Christ, to be an anchor in your journey. And when you commit to a local church or when you commit to this local church, here's what we call that. We call that church membership. Church membership. And you ready? I'm, I'm going to, I think I'm going to bookend this section. At Coastal, we don't ask our church members to do anything more than what the Bible asks Christians to do. So if that's a true statement, why are you not yet a member of Coastal Church if you're a Christian? I'll tell you why. Some of you are dating this church. And dating and dating and dating and dating and dating and dating and dating, and you haven't yet called yourself. So you know what? I'm going to commit to the things that the New Testament calls me to commit to as a Christian. Because the Spirit and the bride say what? Come, and I want to be a part of that. All right, so here we go. Committing, I'm going to challenge us this morning to commit to the bride of Christ. So flip over to Matthew chapter 28. Flip over to Matthew 28. As you know, at Coastal, we have a purpose statement. Everything we do at Coastal, we run through the lens of are we fulfilling what our purpose is? And we've defined the purpose statement here is to develop, I think this is in your notes, develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ. Develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ. And we've pulled this a lot, most of what I'm about to teach you out of Matthew 28. Yes, there's some other places in the New Testament as we piece it together, but a lot of it's out of Matthew 28, and here's Matthew 28. I love Matthew 28. This is Christ commissioning to his disciples as he's about to ascend to the right hand of the Father, and in Matthew 28, verse 18, it says, and Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, let me stop here for a minute, because a lot of times when we talk about the Great Commission, if you've been in church life, we like to run to the word go. I like to start with in whose authority are we going? Everything that I'm about to unpack for you is the, in the authority of Jesus Christ. And listen, I really believe that a church that's daring enough to really align themselves with what God has called them to do will have the authority and the power of Christ behind them. And Jesus said, all authority has been, heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of 
all nations. By the way, let me park here for a minute because a lot of times people say to me, Pastor Sean, why, like, why are we going to take all these mission trips? They cost money. And, 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 and man, well, we just plenty of people who reach right here on the peninsula. And I said, because God has commanded a Christian to have a global worldview. Go back to Revelation 19 where there's a multitude upon multitudes upon multitudes upon multitudes. They're not all going to be from your county, Virginia. They're going to be from all around the world. There will be every tribe, tongue, and nation seated around that throne. And we as Christians, God, Christ has commanded us to have a global worldview. Yes? By the way, what? Do you think the government is going to come up with some program that's going to solve racial issues in our culture? No, it's the gospel of Jesus. As we say, every human being is a sinner and every person needs Christ, and I'm one of them. And then Christ comes in us by the power of the Spirit and says, I'm to love you, and you're to love me, and we're to forgive one another, and we'll work together for the good of the gospel. Go, therefore, and disciple all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So to be a church member, you first have to be a Christian, okay? Letter A, to be a church member, first you have to commit to Jesus by being a Christian. The word, the Bible word for this is disciple. We call it an authentic follower. A Christian is someone who says, I'm a sinner, I have violated God's holy character, and I, what I deserve is God's wrath. But because of God's grace and mercy to me, he gave me his very best gift, his one and only son. Jesus took on flesh. He's the only person that walked the planet that didn't deserve to die because he didn't sin. The Bible says that our sin has earned us something. The wage of sin is what, church? Yeah, that's what our sin, our disobedience to our God has earned us. Christ did not earn that because he was perfect. Christ actually chose death. Think about that for a minute. And he chose death, and it was a substitutionary death where he hung on the cross, and God because of his incredible grace and mercy, poured out his hatred of Sean Brown's sin on Jesus so that I don't have to bear it myself. And then they placed his lifeless body in a grave, and three days later, he vanquished the grave by stepping out of his own grave, thereby authenticating his claims of being the Messiah and the only way to God, and defeating our last enemy, death. And the Bible says if we've been united to Christ in, his in the likeness of death, we will also be united to him in his resurrection. Jesus stepped out of his own grave, and if you're united to Christ by grace through faith, you too will, by the power of God, step out of your own grave. Isn't that cool? So you have to be a Christian. And, and Matthew 28 says the first step of obedience once you're a Christian is to publicly profess that through baptism. Some of you are sitting here, you haven't been baptized yet. You've been a Christian for a long time, but you haven't probably professed that. And you're like, well, I'm just so scared to get up there. Guess what? That's part of it. There's a little bit of accountability standing in front of other brothers and sisters in Christ saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. And you can hold me accountable to my profession of faith, my testimony that I'm a follower of Jesus. We have our baptism coming up, by the way, in March. If you want to be a part, man, we put you through a little bit of a class so you understand what you're doing. We'd love for you to be baptized with us in March. Okay, so the first commitment is to be a follower of Jesus. Second commitment we ask of our members is to commit to the bride of Christ, letter B, commit to the bride of Christ by faithfully committing to corporate worship. We call this connect. So how do we develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ? Connect, grow, serve, and multiply. This is connect. This is corporate worship. And here's what we do in corporate worship. 
Okay, we sing together. Why do we sing together? Because Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul says to the church of Ephesus, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, right? And so we sing, and that encourages us as we sing together. Man, I'll tell you what, one of the things that corporate singing does for me, it reminds me I'm not alone in this spiritual journey. Does that do that for you? Like, oh, there's other people that believe this crazy stuff. They're in here with me, right? And we're working together for the cause of the gospel. We pray in our corporate worships. We celebrate baptisms in the Lord's Supper in our corporate worship. We open the word and preach it and hear it. We talked about that last week, right? Because in the Great Commission, Jesus said, teaching them, teaching the disciples to obey all that I've commanded you. So corporate worship is where the word of God is taught. We serve each other with our gifts, we, in other words, there's a, there's, a, there's a kind of a corporate participation. Yes, there's a corporate participation that we're sitting here and we're listening and we're singing together, but there's also a corporate participation in using our gifts by serving in the various ministries to serve the brothers and the sisters in Christ that we serve together. We would not have this service. We wouldn't have our three services without the incredible dedication of our volunteers serving corporately, right? The, third, the, th- the other thing we do in corporate worship is we actually give. We take up an offering, and we do that because in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, the apostle Paul, in instructing the church of Corinth of how to do an offering, he said, I want you to set aside some of your resources and give it on the first day of the week. In other words, the Lord's Day, the corporate worship service. And so we do an offering, and you guys, if you've been coming for any length of time, you probably have my offering speech memorized, right? It's part of the service where we worship the Lord through the giving and receiving of what? Tithes and offerings. And by the way, they're very specific. If you're new here and you're wondering, how does this church get supported? It gets supported by the members of this church giving a tithe. The word tithe means tenths. They're setting aside one-tenth of their income as a tithe to support this church so that we can pull our time, talent, and treasure together so that the spirit and the bride can be uh, evangelistic and make an impact for the cause of the gospel in this world. The spirit and the bride say, come. You guys with me? Real quiet now, like I'm meddling, right? And then offerings is over and above the tithe. Hey, I want to support the missions. I want to support the endowment. I want to support the building funds. So we have a building. I want to, There's missionaries in your life that you probably support privately. We consider those offerings to other things. And so that's connect through corporate worship. Number two, or letter C here, we commit to the bride of Christ by committing to small groups, okay? Did you know that there are 59 one another passages in the New Testament. Love one another, serve one another, forgive one another, bear one another's burdens, pray for one another, encourage one another. There are 59 one another passages. You cannot do the one another passages sitting in a row facing forward. You have to be in a circle looking at someone else and getting to know someone else. Y'all with me? And that is for us, our small group ministry. We say, hey, we want you for eight weeks to commit to getting to know one another, right? And, and, and our small groups are where we intersect the Bible and real life. So it's a sermon base. You take the notes, you show up, and we're going to kind of unpack the scriptures together. And we're going to apply it, and we're going to encourage one another through the word and pray for one another in our small group ministry. And so we commit to the bride of Christ by committing to a small group to grow. Letter D. Third thing, we commit to the bride of Christ by using our gifts and our talents to serve in a ministry and mission. So we develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ by connect, grow, and now serve. And we want you to serve in a ministry and a mission. 1 Peter 4, the apostle Peter says, as each has received a gift, 
Okay, you ready? If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, God has given you a gift, a place to serve in the church. Use your gift to show up on Sunday morning and do nothing else. It's kind of a joke, okay? So use your gift to do what? To serve one another, right? As good stewards of God's varied grace. And so here's what we've done as the leaders of the church. We want you to serve in a ministry that's ministering to the people, the church, and a mission that's serving people that maybe don't know Jesus yet. So find a place to serve in a ministry and a mission. Man, our church does not exist without our members serving as the grace of God. And then finally, letter E, we commit to the bride of Christ by making disciples for the advancement of the gospel. And this is what we call multiply. So we develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ by connect, grow, serve, and multiply. This is where we've taken from the Great Commission where Jesus says, go and make disciples. There's a, there's a corporate issue to that, and there's an individual issue to that. Each of us should be making disciples, duplicating ourselves. Paul says it this way in 2 Timothy 2. And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, do what with? Entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There's an idea that we should be multiplying ourselves and entrusting what God has taught us to someone else who can entrust it to someone else, who can entrust it to someone else, that this can go on into perpetuity for the cause of the gospel. So how are we doing this at Coastal? Well, as you know, we're doing it corporately, right? what we call gospel outposts. And we're, as God gives us opportunity to adopt and send and plant, and, and what I love about that is it's, how, it's challenging us to raise up new pastors and to raise up new elders and to raise up new deacons and to raise up new ministry leaders and to raise up new small groups. And the only way we're going to do that is if everybody in this room says, I'm a part of it. Because Revelation 19, the spirit and the bride say what? Come, like we are a part of making the gospel, having the gospel go forward, and it's having a leavening effect of planting gospel outposts. And so to do this, it also requires that we're individually multiplying ourselves, that we are looking around and saying, who am I pouring into? By the way, when Jesus chose his 12 disciples, what did he encourage them to do? He said, guys, let's get together and have a Bible study. Isn't that what he said? No, what did he say? Follow me. Hang out with us. Now, in the following of him was their Bible study, to be sure, right? But it was also, you know, hanging out, going to a party, doing some stuff together on the weekend. Come and follow me, he said, in Matthew chapter 14, okay? So how are we going to do this? Okay, everybody get your little hand out. I'm going to go real quickly through this. Hey, this is just kind of a learning tool for you. I know we've just really kind of added multiply to our church, but we've been thinking about, man, how are we going to teach the church about multiply, okay? You can use this tool in one of two ways. I would love it if everybody in this room, as you're fulfilling your membership commitment, brought someone with you, okay? So let me, let me give you an illustration. Most Sunday mornings, we need about 200 volunteers just to pull off children's ministry, okay? And I guarantee if I went back there to our, the leader of our children's department and said, do you have enough volunteers, what do you think their answer would be? No, no right? And so this is what they do to me. They come up, they say, Pastor John, can you please, we need children's volunteers, can you please make an announcement? 
I was like, yeah, I'll make an announcement. I'll make the announcement. And guess how many we'll get people sign up? Maybe four or five. Be like, yeah, he was talking to me. Okay? Here's what the multiply packet is. If you're a children's volunteer, I want you to get serve with me out, and I want you to say, I'm going to write down one person that I'm going to invite to serve with me in children's ministry. Come and follow me. That's how we make disciples. Imagine if 200 volunteers each recruited someone and said, listen, now to do children's ministry, you got to do a background check. There's some process of that. But, but if, what if 200 volunteers said, each grabs somebody and says, just come with me. Come with me to two to threes this week. See if you like it. How many volunteers would we have if those 200 volunteers did that? You guys are math geniuses, right? Like, man, we would double it, right? We don't have enough small groups for a church our size. Imagine if every small group leader said, I want you, get your grow out. I want you to grow with me. I'm going to invite you to come with me to my small group. I'm not adding to your calendar. I'm just adding, hey, bring someone with you and be intentional and invest in them. And we do that so that if and when God gives us another campus, you can either send the person that you've developed, go and make disciple, go, right? Or you can go and leave that person to serve where you are. Everybody with me? Pretty cool idea, isn't it? Want to know where I got it? Jesus, all right? That's what Jesus did. He left it to 12 guys who then left it to other people, who then left it to other people. And so connect, grow, serve, and multiply. This is our membership commitment. This is what we ask our members to commit to. You ready for this? The Bible knows nothing of a Christian that is disconnected from a local church. That's pretty weighty. Because I know lots and 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 lots of people that say, yeah, of course I'm a Christian. I've done this before. I've been out in the community, say, hey, you go to church? Yeah, what church you go to? Like a waiter, Rachel. Oh, I go to Coastal. Oh, what's your pastor's name? Oh, man, what is that pastor's name? Sitting right here, you know, like, like we do that all the time. The Bible knows nothing of a Christian disconnected from a local church. And so here's what I want to challenge you to do. First of all, if you're a member, you have your membership renewal coming up. Got, got an email to you. If we drop the ball a little bit on the email, just let us know. We'll get you the email. But I want you to just look over it and pray over it before you click the boxes. That's what I do. I just It's a reminder. These are the things I'm committed to. I'm committed to connect, grow, serve, and multiply. That's important to me. Important to you, too, I know. But pray over it. Say, yes, God, this is what I'm going to do in 2024. This is a great anchor for you. When things get topsy-turvy, man, other brothers and sisters in Christ, we're here to encourage you. If you're not yet a member, but you've been checking it out, let me tell you, your next step to membership is what we call our We Are Coastal class. And Jesse, can I get this slide up here? We Are Coastal class. It's February 3rd, Saturday night, 5 day 30. We have child care. We have dinner. Registering, make sure we have enough of help, okay? We have enough child care workers. We have enough food. Listen, take that next step. Stop dating us and say, hey, I'm in. Yes, I'm, I can do connect, grow, serve, and multiply. I want to be trained in those things. I want to be a part of those things. I want to connect. I want to grow. I want to multiply. And one of the things that I think, I'll close with this, one of the things I think that we miss out on when we're not committed to a local church is being wowed by the church. Let me say that again. I think when we're loosely connected or somewhat connected and, and we're not really doing the connect, grow, serve, multiply, and it's kind of church universal but not church local, and church local is like real people that I really get to know, 
when you don't really get to know the people of God, you sometimes cease to be wowed by the people of God. And uh, one of the things I like to do from time to time, is do, I did it in the sermon. I actually, in my sermon notes at home, I have real names, but I'm not going to share real names. Um, but I was just thinking about the people of this church that wow me. There's so many of you. I'm wowed when I stand up here and say, hey, guys, God's given us a new campus to adopt. I just want some of you to pray about making a one-year commitment. And there'll be a half a dozen people that'll say, man, I am driving. We have, do you know that our Richmond campus, we have some people driving an hour and a half every Sunday morning say, I'm going to help revitalize this campus. That just wows me. That's three hours in the car every Sunday morning. I, when I leave here on Sunday afternoon around 1, 1.30, and I'm walking out the door, and there's some of you that have been here since 6.30 this morning volunteering your time so that we can have corporate worship together as a church, I'm just like, wow. These are, if this is Revelation 19. The righteous deeds of the saints is how you prepare for the wedding feast. And I'm just wowed. When I think about some of the people in this church that either make hot meals or provide enough groceries for thousands of people to have food this week with the hope of, hey, I want to introduce you to Jesus while we're doing this. I'm just wowed. When I stand up here and, and I, 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 I give an offering opportunity, endowment, building, missions, and I'll have somebody come up to me, maybe a young person I know doesn't have a lot of money or a widow that I know doesn't have a lot of money. And they look at me and they go, Pastor Sean, I'm in. I'm giving to that. Man, that is humbling to me. That is like the widow's might. Wow. When I hear about the small group that pulls their own offering that none of us know about, because one of their small group members has a need and they pull their resourcing together to provide for someone in their small group. And I just look at that and go, man, wow. When I hear your story of someone that wounded you in the church, something unkind was done or said, yet you choose to forgive and partner with a local church for the good of the gospel because you have such a high view of the church that no individual sin against you is going to stop you from having God's view of the church, wows me. And I look around here today, and I know some of you have had a funeral within the last year that was unexpected. And I watch you stand in the funeral service and sing praise and worship songs to the Lord in your time of loss and then show up here on Sunday and do it again. Can I just say, wow. And in those moments, I'm reminded of what a precious treasure the church really is. That it's indeed the bride of Christ. I love Acts chapter 20 where the Apostle Paul is wrapping up his sermon with these elders. He's about to leave. I love Acts chapter 20. You should read the whole thing. It's, it's Paul's sermon to the Ephesian elders. It's church that he planted, and now he's being sent. He's going to another campus. 
And he has this opportunity to address his leaders that he's left in place. And he says this in Acts chapter 20, verse 8. He says, basically, I've left you here to care for the church of God, which was obtained by the blood of Christ. Wow. And so now I'm going to ask you to do something weird. I just want you to look around the room. Look around the people beside you and say, wow. 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 I didn't know you got so old so fast. Some of you think, wow. To be wowed by the church is a choice, and it's the choice to have the view of the church that God has. Because the spirit and the bride say come. And all God's people said, amen. All right. Hallelujah. We're going to go out singing hallelujah this morning. Let, let's, uh, I'll tell you what, let's stand. I'm going to pray over you. You're the church. Prayer team, come on up. If you need a little extra prayer on the way out this morning, our prayer team loves you. And we are going to go out singing hallelujah. Father, thank you for your bride. So many gifts in this room. Uh, talents. They're unique. So many people in this room make just incredible sacrifices for this local church. God, for all of us, all of us can take that next step of being wowed and seeing the church as you see the church. It's so easy. It's so easy, God to get disgruntled or to be wounded or yet Paul says take care of this church Ephesian elders because it was purchased by the blood of the lamb and so help us to be wowed by you oh God what you're doing through your people you could have done it so many other ways but you chose to use sinners like us the spirit and the bride say come until the day our faith becomes sight and until then we gather and we sing alleluia our God reigns and it's in Jesus name I pray amen